Hello, welcome to NRAE, IICLE's podcast about all things law, big and small. My name is Courtney Smith. My guests today are Amanda Clayman and Ashley Wood from Katz and Stefani LLC in Chicago. Together, they discuss premarital agreements, what they can and cannot address, disclosures, and important timing issues for attorneys. Thanks so much for being with me today, Amanda and Ashley. Let's get started. Could we start by talking just about the basics of premarital agreements and their purpose? Sure. Um, A premarital agreement is essentially a contract, um, and it's a contract that's entered into between two parties prior to their marriage. Um, And they can essentially contract around a variety of issues related to their marriage. Um, The two main spheres we talk about are what will happen in the event of a divorce. And then sometimes we also will address what will happen in the event of the death of one of the parties during their marriage. Um, And we typically contract around issues related to property allocation and support. Those are the main areas. One thing to consider that we cannot address in premarital agreements is anything related to children, including custody of children, or just now called parenting time and Mm decision-making, and also any financial matters related to the children. You cannot waive off on child support. You can't even waive off on attorney's fees for child-related matters. And what are some things for either or both parties to kind of watch out for when um, writing the agreement? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Make sure you have a good lawyer. Yeah. There you go. The the one thing that I like to do um, when, when I'm either reviewing or drafting a prenup is with my client, I go over what the law provides and how their agreement is differentiating from the law. So for example, a lot of prenuptial agreements that we do at our firm will include maintenance provisions or alimony provisions. And so I have to explain to them what the law says they're entitled to or what their obligation is in terms of maintenance, and then what they could be giving up, what they could be walking away from, what their additional obligations could be. So it's kind of an education process in addition to a negotiation process. Yeah. And I'll just, yeah. And I would add, like, I'll say to the client, like, it's your document and it's important you understand it. I think sometimes they feel intimidated. There's a lot of legal stuff, but I think it's really important that they do understand it and that, you know, things that are vague or unclear to them may very well be vague or unclear to the judge. And we, and it's our job to clarify all of that and make sure they understand it and we understand it. So, and not to sort of, I, I think I try to encourage people to take ownership of it and ask questions and nothing's, there's no dumb question. Right. At the end of the day, it's not governing our governing our lives, it's governing their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very good point. <laughs> um when we we had talked earlier, you had said that you both had specific um timing issues with uh, pre- premarital agreements. You yeah. wanted to make sure you had uh, sufficient time to do do everything that needs to be done. Can you talk a little bit about that, um, like advice for attorneys on timing? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start by saying there is no specific time set forth in the statute. I mean, you can sign a premarital agreement right. the day before you get married, the morning of your marriage, and it can still be valid under Illinois law. Um, I think Ashley and I were expressing more of like a personal practice point, which is if the marriage is, and of course there's exceptions, but if the marriage dates about within 30 days of the time someone comes to meet with you, that's usually um that's usually a place where I might say that, you know, this is really not enough time to do a good job. And I think it has to do with what we were talking about, which is, can you create a valid agreement? Yes. But, you know, do you understand it? Have you had a full amount of time to negotiate it and really like grasp it? Maybe not in 30 days. Um, and to me, it's just, it's more of a personal comfort level. Um, and there are circumstances where we do do it in a tighter time frame. Um, and the other thing I think, Ashley, you were talking about when we last spoke was disclosure and you have to have a full disclosure of your assets. And so you need to have time to get that all right. Correct. I think for me, you know, I generally will not do something within a 30 day window um, just because you're also reliant upon the other attorney and the other the other party to make sure they're sticking to your time frame. Um, the biggest issue for me is understanding the kind of disclosure that's going to have to occur. For example, if somebody who's getting married has multi-generational wealth and has other trust agreements and other contracts and his business interests with families. And that is so much more complicated than two 25 year olds who are getting married and don't really have that, the net worth or the assets or the, the complications. Um, I'd say, I mean, I've done prenups as far as six months out when there's been a really, really complicated estate because it takes so much longer to get that disclosure and to educate both parties on what they're signing off on. Right. Yeah, that's interesting that when you talk about educating the parties on signing off, because I would think that they definitely would want to take time to understand everything, too. And like you said, you can sign it the day before, but I wouldn't think that'd be in their best interest either. Right. But you know what I think is interesting as sort of a side point is I think there's like taboo around a prenuptial agreement and sometimes people like frown upon it or feel like offended that someone's asked them to sign one, but it's really an opportunity for people to be educated about the law. I mean, a lot of people just get married and don't even know what it means in relation to their assets or their obligations down the line. So I say to a lot of people, like, now, you know, now, you know what the law is. Now, you know what your agreement is. And it's an opportunity to like have open conversation in your marriage and to be planful and all these things, because a lot of times people get married without an agreement and they, they have no idea that it does impact your future assets, support, all sorts of things. We do see a lot of times in our, because we do more than just prenuptial agreements, we also do divorces and parentage. And I cannot tell you the number of times somebody comes into our office and they have no idea what their marital estate looks like. They have no idea how much money their spouse makes. They have no idea how the bills get paid. They just don't know. Uh, and then it puts them in a really serious disadvantage and puts us as lawyers as a disadvantage as well, because now we're doing double, triple the work. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I can imagine. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so another thing I wanted to ask about was sort of like issues with other states or the international issues. Um because what we're talking about is just basically you're, you're working on Illinois law. So how does it work when, you know, people move or just do their divorce proceedings in other states and stuff like that? So divorce law is governed by states. There's no federal mm -hmm. divorce statute. There may be some public policy or some interplay between federal laws, but it's all state based. 
So the rules in California are different than the rules in New York are different than the rules in Illinois are different than the rules in Mississippi. Um, and some states, in my opinion, being an Illinois trained lawyer, have some really wacky divorce laws. <laughs> um, so the importance of, of, you know, choice of law in a prenuptial agreement is definitely going to play into it. I spoke with a potential new client, actually, this, this timing was perfect, last week. And he lives here and his fiance lives in California and they're going to be splitting their time. And I said, you need to talk to an Illinois lawyer. You need to talk to a California lawyer and you need to decide where you're going to be living because Illinois laws are very different than divorce laws. And as the more moneyed spouse, he had more assets that needed to be protected. In this situation, California is a um, community property state. So very different rules in terms of a prenuptial agreement. If your prenuptial agreement is drafted in Illinois, there will be a choice of law statute that says Illinois will govern no matter where you live when you get divorced. Yeah. And if you were to get divorced, subsequently move from Illinois and get divorced in another state, the court of that state will enforce the prenuptial agreement according to the laws of Illinois um, in deciding whether it's valid and then in enforcing it. So that is how it is supposed to work. Um, you did mention international law, and that's a little bit more complicated because there is a full faith and credit and concept that different states, you know, respect other states' laws. It's more complicated when it's international. And I do caution my clients if they intend on living abroad, they really need to educate themselves. Um, and just like Ashley mentioned, I had a client who was considering moving to Ireland. Um, and we reached out to counsel in Ireland and we learned that Irish courts do not enforce prenuptial agreements. They might take them into consideration, but they're not necessarily enforceable. So that's an Important fact to understand if you have substantial wealth that if you move to a certain country, you may no longer be protected by your agreement. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's an unusual circumstance, but it is something to be aware of. So if um, a, you know people were to get married and then decide to move somewhere, would, would they be able to contact you to talk about that or would they be able to con would should they contact the person in the area where they're moving yeah and I mean what would I, you recommend yeah I mean if I've drafted the agreement I would certainly help them figure out next steps um but it would absolutely involve you know coordination with local counsel who understands the law I'm not going to just like read the statute and give them my advice I would certainly consult right. with somebody um, but we would help them through that process so we at least know the document we know their intention and we know try to you know how to help them effectuate that but we would certainly you know get advice mm -hmm. okay so could we kind of go over like I wanted to go back to like um, the timing of it all, because I think that's really interesting um, <laughs> to me. Uh, so what would you, what would you recommend for people when in, in their relationship to their wedding date or whatever, would you recommend that they reach out to an attorney? I think first, before reaching out to an attorney, they need to have the discussion of, is this Girl. something we're doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, that definitely is a conversation that should occur sooner rather than later, because what you don't want to do is 30 days before your wedding, say, oh, we need a prenup, we should call some lawyers, and then you're under this immense amount of pressure. And, you know, I've, I've seen more than once where they end up, you know, it's three days before the wedding, it's creating way too much stress and strife. And so the parties decide to scrap it. Um, 
I'd say, you know, have that conversation when you get engaged before you get engaged. I mean, have the, the, uh, you know, have, have the clarity and the openness between the two of you. And then as soon as you have a break in the wedding planning process, We'll get the lawyers involved. I'd say no less than 30 days, 90 to yeah, 60 days. I'd say two to, two to three months is ideal. And if you know you want to do it, um, I mean, I'm working on right one right now, like Ashley mentioned, where the, the disclosure is quite complicated and we've required consultation with estate planning lawyers and the family's lawyers, and it's taken a while. So I'm glad that we had, I think, maybe an eight-month runway on it um, and it'll get done. I also think when you're down to the wire, um, you know, Leverage and negotiations can get pretty um, complicated. Um, so it, it's really best to just get it done and then you can go to your rehearsal dinner and your manicure and all that stuff stress-free. <laughs> what I've noticed is the sooner you get to the wedding day, just the more onerous it is. And it, you know, no one's getting any sleep and they're arguing with the florist during the day and then with their lawyer and their future spouse and it just becomes yeah. too much. Yeah. Not only for the lawyers, but the peace of mind for the parties, not having to worry about, you know, signing this life altering potentially contract when their focus should be elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, and I think also I'll add like the 30 day timeline that I kind of impose as part of my practice, again, really has nothing to do with Illinois law. It just has to do with sort of what makes sense for for the parties, but also frankly, what makes sense for me, like I have obligations to a lot of clients and I don't think it's fair that everything gets put to the side because somebody called you 20 days out. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And sometimes it's just not something that I'm, I'm willing to put one person's case above everybody else's. Um, so I, and, and also personal preservation, like, you know, nobody needs to be working till midnight on somebody else's emergency. Yeah. Generally, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so you you had mentioned Amanda just now that you were working on some uh, one that's a little more complicated with the disclosures and yeah. all of those issues. Would you say that the disclosures are the thing that can kind of trip the whole process up the most? Absolutely. I mean, under the statute has to be, you know, signed by the parties and in writing. Um, outside of that, you can do really whatever you want in the agreement. I always require there be, to be counsel on the other side. And I always am diligent about making sure the disclosure is adequate. I think that that is the main thing that results in an agreement being found invalid is that somebody has not adequately disclosed their assets. Um, because otherwise in Illinois, it's you know, pretty lock solid. If you've contracted, you've contracted, um, but it's predicated on there was full disclosure and full understanding. So I definitely work with the clients to make sure there's full disclosure. Now that doesn't mean every last, you know, watch needs to be disclosed, but, um, you know, all assets of substance need to be listed and explained. And it can be an issue sometimes with some of the, the larger estates or, you know, a family business specifically, because you could have, somebody who's third or fourth generation in a family business, and they may not know what's going on with the family business that so you have to get the lawyer involved or the comptroller involved, or there could be, you know, generation skipping trust, and they may not have all the information that they need in terms of what they are potentially a beneficiary of. So with the larger estates, it can take much, much longer. And it can be a lot more involvement from a myriad of people. Yep. <laughs> Definitely sounds like it can get 
pretty complicated. <laughs> so what happens if someone doesn't disclose something? And well, it could be a basis to find the agreement not to be valid. I mean, the okay. court would have to analyze, you know, what wasn't disclosed. Did it was it sub, was it substantial in terms of the negotiation? You know, if someone had, I don't know, two uh, thousand dollars worth of gold coins and they forgot to list it, I don't think that's going to substantively change it. Right? <laughs> but you know, if if it's substantial, it really could. Mm -hmm. I think too, if there, there's a couple of options, and this goes back to you know basic contract law. And there's a concept called severability where a judge could say, you know, this whole agreement is not invalid, but this portion is. And then that portion would have to be determined based on Illinois law. But if you have a good lawyer, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that because we are very concerned with disclosure and our job, you know, to advocate and to represent our clients, we're not going to let you leave something out. Whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, we will do our job and do our due diligence. And mm -hmm. as long as you are being honest with us, you'll be fine. Right. Well, I was just curious because, yeah. you know, all the all the media, you know, that I've seen over my whole life is the person coming in at the last minute saying, here, here's, here's sign this, you know. So, yeah, I feel like maybe they kind of get a bad rap, but I, th I think they're they're more important than people probably tend to think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not know? Why not have a plan? Why not have clarity? Like, yeah. why not have a an action plan to avoid litigation and acrimony if it comes to that? I mean, I, it, it's not it, it's not necessary in every marriage, but in in many situations, it can be actually a plus, not a negative. I think most importantly, if either of the parties has children from another relationship, it can be very important because as Amanda mentioned when we first started, you know, prenuptial agreements don't just cover, you know, a potential divorce or separation, but also death. And if you want to make sure that your children who are not mutual children with your current spouse are protected and inherit, that also goes into a prenuptial agreement. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point because, you know, I kind of have when we were talking about it, thinking, okay, it's something to protect yourself, but there are definitely a lot of other issues like that that could come up. Very, very and, interesting. And, and I and I'll add to Ashley, like in my mind, having clarity around that is really healthy for the whole family, right? Because somebody's children might be really concerned about this new spouse that's coming into their father or mother's life. And if there's clarity around that, I, I think it can actually be really healing and positive for a family. So I, I like to try to look at the positives. And I, I actually think that there really are a lot of them for having a clear agreement with everyone understanding what the plan is. Yeah, definitely <laughs> sounds like definitely sounds like it. You convinced me for sure. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Like in the media or in you know movies and TV, prenups get such a bad reputation, and it's really I mean it's no different than you know contracting to for you know property or something like that. But you know for buying a house, it's something that as Amanda said, adds clarity, can add peace of mind, helps deal with issues on the front end instead of having you know big blow up later down the road. Definitely, for sure. So any sort of tips or tricks or things to watch out for if um, you were advising a newer attorney just getting into the um, family law arena? 
<laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, look, you got to read the statute. You have to understand it. The prenuptial agreements are governed by a statute. You need to make sure you understand what it says. And I think when you're new to this, I would certainly consult with a lawyer who's been doing it for a long time. There's no harm in asking someone to read a document for you and make sure you understand it. Um, and just like Ashley said, we We've been doing this for many, many years, but we consult with people all the time. I mean, if there is a complicated business, we'll talk to a business lawyer. If there isn't a complicated estate plan, we'll talk to an estate planning lawyer. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the key is, you know, when you don't know something, ask. I think too. So Amanda really kind of trained me on how to do prenuptial agreements. Um, and I know that one of the first things that she had said was make sure that not only your client reads and understands everything, but you do and you can explain it to them because sometimes, you know, the interplay between, you know, referencing to certain sections of the law or certain other sections of the contract, you have to really have a deep understanding of what they are contracting for. But at the end of the day, it's their agreement. Yeah. Okay. And um, just to kind of like start wrapping things up, I was there anything that we didn't talk about that you either of you wanted to mention? I don't think so. I mean, the only other thing I'll say is I do sometimes have people come and ask for an agreement and they explain what they'd like to try to accomplish. And sometimes it's completely covered by Illinois law, or there are other ways that you can protect certain things. Um, and so I think it's, you know, our firm policy and should be anyone's firm policy. You, you don't need to have an, there might be a situation where you don't need an agreement. Um, and it's my obligation to be clear with someone like, Hey, I don't really think you need this. I don't think it's going to really benefit you. Um, and I try to be pretty straightforward about that. And part of that goes into what you're we talking about before, like educating their clients. Um, because, you know, Illinois is pretty clear on what's considered marital, what's considered not marital. We have guidelines, we have statutes. Um, and if, you know, somebody comes to your office and they said, I want to make sure that anything I owned before the marriage is protected. Okay, well, it already is under the law. I can give you some tips on how to make sure it stays that way. But you don't need to pay us a whole bunch of money to get something you already have. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you both so much. This was really fascinating to me. There's a lot that goes into it for, for both of you, day in and day out, for sure. But it sounds like, you know, they're just super important for people to consider it when making such a big life decision. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you, again. Courtney. Well, thank, thank you, Courtney. You so nice much. talking to you. Very Bye. enjoyable. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, I'm gonna